This is an NC Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. Welcome to the NC Baptist Podcast, the podcast designed to engage with ministry leaders around topics that will explore approaches and resources to help us be on mission together. It's because of your generosity that this resource is available. Learn more at ncbaptist.org slash give or contact us at communications at ncbaptist.org. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the NC Baptist podcast today. I am Todd Unzicker, the executive director treasurer of the Baptist State Convention in North Carolina. Y'all, there is a movement happening across our state. NC Baptist want to see every single child, every child in need have a safe, loving home where they can experience and hear the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are thousands of children today in the foster care system in North Carolina, thousands. And we believe that the church is the answer to this problem. This is how families can be on mission together. We partner with the Baptist Children's Home of North Carolina to train churches and train families who are called to foster and adopt. That's why I'm excited that Mark Smith with the Baptist Children's Home, he recently sat down and had a panel discussion with several NC Baptist pastors and leaders. Leaders like uh, John Cashwell and Kyler Smith and Casey Norcutt and Andrew Hopper. And they did this at this past year's annual meeting in 2022. They are experiencing families in their churches who are coming forward to foster and adopt through the Every Child Initiative. I want you to listen to their conversation with me today, and I want you to prayerfully consider how your church can partner with us. My name is Martin Smith. I'm the Foster and Adoption Church Liaison with the Baptist Children's Home. We're glad you're here, and I just wanted to see if, uh, uh, Casey, would you mind just opening us in a word of prayer, please, sir? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for today that we can gather together and talk about what you're doing amongst our churches for your kingdom and the ministry of foster care and adoption. We pray that this time is profitable and for your glory. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. 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 So what we're planning on doing today is I've got a set of questions already planned out for these guys, but I'm going to please... I'm going to make sure that I give y'all plenty of time later on uh, to ask any questions that you may already have in your mind or perhaps that as they're discussing, some stuff may just start to pop into your mind as far as questions are concerned. So just hold on to those toward the end, and I promise you there'll be plenty of time. So let me jump in because everybody's seated except Blake, and I'll sit down too. I really want to start with John because with... uh, 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 John here, he's, um, he's one of the, the, I guess, one of the major pastors here in our community, here in our state, who has done some just incredible work. John, would you just introduce yourself, tell them what church you're from, and then i got a question for you. Yeah, sure. I'm John Cashwell, pastor of Providence Baptist Church in Harrisburg, North Carolina, right outside of Charlotte, for yeah. those who don't know where Harrisburg is. Yep. And then right beside him is Andrew. Andrew, would you mind introducing yourself, please, sir? Yeah, my name is Andrew Hopper. I'm pastor Mercy Hill Church um, that's based right here in Greensboro, High Point, North Carolina. And right beside him is Kyler. I'm Kyler Smith. I serve as senior associate pastor of Hickory Grove Baptist in Charlotte. And, of course, my brother Casey. And I'm Casey Norkett. I serve as the missions pastor here. <clears throat> All right. Hey, thank you all again so very much for being a part of this. Y'all are a true blessing. 
<clears throat> but John, I really want to start my questioning off with you because this is going to kind of set the foundation, set a little bit of the, uh, of the tenure for our time today. <clears throat> but several years ago, God led you and your church to begin really dealing with the foster care and adoption issue that we have, really in particular in the, in the Harrisburg area, which is Columbus County, right? Cabarrus I mean, sorry, Ca- sorry, Cabarrus County. I'm sorry, I said, said that wrong. <clears throat> but you really started dealing with that really on a personal level there in your own community. Would you mind just kind of starting way back and just sharing kind of how that story unfolded and really almost stack the question just a little bit, but also, too, how it sort of really evolved into BCH getting involved as well? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, like most churches that are Baptist churches, we're a pro-life church at Providence. And pro-life to us means more than just um, acknowledging the sanctity of human life Sunday. Um, we are involved in, and want to be involved in. So I guess about 17 years ago, we started an unwed mother's ministry called Gate Pregnancy Resource Center in the Harrisburg area, and now it's expanded to Concord. As a part of that um, sanctity of human life and of just being believing that, that life is valuable. And so we started that, and, and it's gone very well, and, and we looked at other ways to get involved in being a pro-life church, not just saying we were pro-life, but actually doing something about it. And so we had a number of our families that were adoptive parents and um, adoptive families and those that were um, involved in foster care, and um, we found out that there was a, this community, a large community, larger than we imagined, that um, needed help. Many times uh, these foster parents would get children that would be assigned to them at night and they wouldn't have proper bedding, they wouldn't have clothes, they wouldn't have a lot lot of things. And so we just started going out and buying it and stuff like that. And and, um, eventually two ladies, one um, named Cassandra and the other one named Stacy, um, came to me and said, you know, we want to try to organize this a little bit better than than what we're doing. And and so I said, sure, we'll, we'll do that. And and so they started organizing it and working and, and ministering to the families a little bit more and, and more in depth and, and just trying to provide um, other resources for them, um, like uh, parents' nights out and um, counseling uh, through counseling, counselors that are in our church. And <clears throat> eventually, um, Keith Henry came from Baptist Children's Home to speak at our church. And he was mentioning about um, being able to license in the future um, those that would like to foster kids. And so immediately these two ladies, Cassandra and, and Stacy, jumped on me about that and said, basically, we need to get involved in that. And so we went to BCH together and visited with uh, Keith Henry. And uh, Keith said, um, let's, let's talk about how we're going to do this. And, and we hadn't even started classes at that point. Nothing had started. And we didn't even have, it was just a, a kind of a dream that was in the process of being developed. And so Eventually, we um, had our first licensing class, and I think we've had five or six classes since then, and, and um, churches from our area have uh, become a part of it. Uh, one of the ladies, two ladies, Cassandra, when we decided to go full out with this, um, we needed a staff member to manage it. And so we brought Cassandra on our staff, and, and she's doing a great job managing the ministry, and, and um, just been great, great partnership with BCH. Um, those ladies are in contact with BCH weekly if not daily about a number of different needs and advice and counsel and and they sought us out too because we had a lot of successes and failures early on and the failures were not complete failures they were just challenges that BCH had never encountered nor had we and um, 
It's just been a learning experience, and it's been really good. No, no complaints whatsoever. Yeah. <clears throat> so you hear just kind of how this got started with just the heartbeats there within your church, and it just it just grew. You know, Andrew, there was a, a heartbeat going on at your church back several years ago at Mercy Hill. Talk to us about that because God led you very specifically in a in a very specific way. Can you talk to us about that and what you did? Yeah, we, we preached a sermon series in 2019 called Chosen. You know, the idea being we're, we want to build families the way God builds His. Build families through adoption, restore families through foster care. Um, but, you know, the, the sermon series in a lot of ways was uh, kind of the culmination of a heart that was already there. Um, it wasn't necessarily, hey man, a sermon series is going to fix a heart where it's not already in the people. One of my mentors told me a long time ago, man, you never preach a sermon. You never preach a sermon. There's a lot of things that are too important to preach a sermon on. And what he meant by that was, this has got to be something you talk about all the time. It's not something that you just like wait and save up and one time you kick it off with a sermon. So, um, you know, I hesitate to say that the Chosen series was a catalytic moment for us. And it, and it was kind of a turning point. But, but the reason it was is because there was so much... Uh, fuel that was already sort of stacked and you know and it was already you know it was already kind of lit a little bit and it was it sort of functioned as um, gasoline getting thrown on to the fire rather than trying to just hey cold start um, something that's not there I think that that's a good strategy potentially but only if we're going to then move into the strategy of there's things that are too important to preach a sermon on and you got to talk about it every single sermon you know or or every single you know you every month or some kind of cadence of that um, but we ki- yeah, we kicked off that chosen series and we really put a bold vision before the church um, to rate we want to raise 200 families up for adoption and foster care ministries uh, by 2025. And that was you know so that was a, just over a five year vision. We're well over we're, we're halfway through that and we're over halfway into that in terms of the vision of that. So it served as a real catalytic moment for us. Wow, yeah, it's been amazing just to be able to watch that journey. I can't wait to see what God has in store. Yeah. So man, hey, thank you. Hey, Casey, you know, you and Kyler, y'all go to the same church, Hickory Grove. You guys, y'all didn't really go through the the whole idea of a sermon series, but you really did use January, which was, you know, sanctity of life. Y'all kind of sort of kicked off and dovetailed out of that. But y'all did it a little differently as far as not a specific sermon series, but y'all... Y'all still had it in front of your people. Could you just kind of share with everybody, maybe that's not the route they want to go. Maybe they don't want to do a sermon series. Maybe they want to take it maybe in a different direction. But Casey, I'd like to ask you if you could address that. At Hickory Grove, we, we really highlighted the need. I mean, when I heard the number 16,000 orphans in our state, it's a shocking number. Yeah. And so to, to hear that and then to see many families in our church already fostering, already adopting. And for it wasn't it was from the pulpit uh, in January safety of human life, and it's sporadic and regularly throughout. And so Kyler, given a testimony of his foster care journey with Baptist Children's Home, my family, and others, we've been able to tell the story. And then people in our church seeing that lived out and pointed them to the need and how they can be involved, not only in in the act of, of fostering, but also supporting. And so creating ministries around it that support those that are that are fostering and adopting. Yeah. And so I know at um, kind of at the tail end of the month of February last, this past year, yeah. uh, you guys kind of put out an invitation yeah. to the to the congregation. Can so you can we have, you share we about two that? campuses at those campuses? We had informational luncheons where they, we had representatives from BCH come, and and we had probably sixty folks total at those two lunches. Uh, from that came about thirty that went through started the licensing process, and through that about twenty or almost some. We just had our first 
family who finished the licensing process and like maybe hours later had a placement uh, or a <laughs> placement call and others that are slowly uh, beginning to finish up the licensing process. And so we're seeing the fruit of that that started in January now with people being licensed. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Now, Kyler, you're, you've been a part of that as well, but you have a little bit of a different storyline because you and your wife, Lauren, um, y'all partnered with BCH a little over a year ago, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of ahead of, the, I guess, ahead of uh, everybody else at the at Hickory Grove as far as getting licensed. You, you and your wife went through the licensing process with BCH. Could you just share with everybody about that, that part of your story? Sure. And before my wife and I even met, we both independently had a conviction because we walked with the Lord that orphans needed to be cared for by the local church and we always thought well maybe it would be the lord's will for us to adopt when we got married and we had a hard unforeseen providence of unexplained unforeseen infertility and honestly that was such a a uh, curveball for the two of us that uh on the one hand it compelled us to take all the more seriously the option to adopt but on the other hand particularly for my wife it was such an emotionally fraught providence that it kind of slowed us down and we had to reassess what was going on in our lives. Well, strangely and by God's grace, he gave us inexplicably a biological daughter about four years ago, kind of out of the blue. We've been, we haven't had any other biological children since I was working on my PhD. I wanted to finish it. It was like a millstone around my neck. I wanted it gone before we started uh, opening up our home to children and we wanted to adopt. Well, while I was finishing my PhD, uh, there were other members of our church, including the Norkits, who had pursued foster care. And that particularly piqued my wife's interest and said, why wouldn't we do that? We know there's a need. We've never known the degree to which there's a need. And so she started to do some homework. So I'll just tell you, I am the reason Casey Norkit is in BCH. He was with some pagan organization before my wife found BCH. Uh, when she found it, we started to go through the licensure process with them. And I'll just tell you, having now had two little boys, one and a half and two and a half years of age, uh, for a little over a year. Foster care is quite difficult. <laughs> I mean, it's, I was a former children's pastor in my previous life. My wife was a school teacher. If anybody was prepared to have children, it was us. We even had our own child, but foster care is tough. But genuinely, I'm not just saying this because I'm in this panel. The worst part of foster care for us has been DSS. It's quite difficult, and by far the best part has been BCH. They are a genuine blessing to our family. I, honestly, you should have invited my wife, Lauren, <laughs> rather than me to speak, because she has been the one most blessed by them. BCH was efficient. They've been nothing but helpful. They, they are far more responsive to the issues we encounter on a day-to-day basis uh, than DSS ever is. They genuinely are an advocate. They go between us and DSS often. My wife could go on and on singing their praises. So really grateful for the ministry. Wow, thanks, man. Appreciate that. John, I kind of want to make a little bit of a transition here because you've heard how it got started, but just because the the ministry gets started doesn't mean that it's going to run on autopilot. There, there's some stuff that needs to happen in the background and with other church members because we all know you know, God calls the church to take care of the orphans and the, and the widows, sure, but he doesn't call every, every believer to bring a child into their home. That, that's not what God calls us to do, but he does call every believer to do something when it comes to these children. And so not every believer is supposed to bring children into their home, but, but for those who aren't bringing children into their home, we need support teams badly. Those, those, those families who are bringing children into their home, 
They need support wrapping around them. And I, I just can't wait to you, you really to hear kind of what's coming up next. Because I know, John, at your church, y'all, y'all actually started a ministry, and you mentioned Cassandra just a moment ago. Uh, she's in charge of this ministry called Overflow 419. And it's, an, it's a dynamic support system for foster families. John, could you just talk to them about that? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, Cassandra started the ministry, and, and our staff, we do what's called shared, shared ministry on our staff, where everyone serves together, works together on the various ministries and projects. And, and so it's a, the whole church embraces that as a ministry. So everything we do, we do together. And so when we started a foster care ministry, our church celebrates every foster child that comes in, every adopted child that comes in. We also know that foster children, there are very few hallmark stories. They come from damaged situations. They come from um, challenges. So our church is very familiar with those challenges and are willing to work um, alongside the parents and, and others. And, and so, you know, we enjoy that. Our, our church has cried together and laughed together and celebrated and, and worked together to raise these children. And um, we're not a small church, and we're not a large church. I don't guess we're large. But anyway, um, not as large as we need to be. There's too many lost people out there. But nonetheless, um, we, we enjoy working together and, and ministering to these families. We do things such as counseling, as I mentioned, for um, we have like um, support groups for moms, support groups for dads involved in foster care. <clears throat> we have um, parents night out. We do this for the county, by the way. We, um, one of the things we started doing through our Overflow 419 ministry is we wanted to partner with DSS. And um, there's a lot of mistrust there, and there's a lot of turnover with DSS too. And, and um, so we started partnering with Cabarrus County um, DSS meeting their needs, whatever they were, from organizing their clothes closets to um, providing meals, doing a lot of other things. And, and um, so we've become almost partners with DSS and some things. In fact, um, just Saturday we hosted um, Cabarrus County's DSS adoption and foster care celebration. All the children that were adopted or fostered or licensed, the parents were licensed in Cabarrus County, from COVID until now, we celebrated on our campus alongside DSS, and it went so well that's kind of interesting. They um, and Overflow did this, by the way. Um, DSS, the director of it, came to me afterwards and said, "This was just wonderful. Um, you know, of all the children that are without homes in the state of North Carolina, and I said, well, there's 16,000 of them. We've heard that um, quite a bit, Casey, and all of us have. And and she said, yeah. And, and she said, wouldn't it be great if if churches could um, partner together? With um, with Department of Social Services and and really start making a difference in these the lives of these children. And I said, well, let me tell you about something called Every Child Initiative our state's doing. And so I'm meeting with her in the next couple of weeks to basically say, let's let Cabarrus County and um, the Baptist State Convention, Baptist Children's Home, be a model for other counties to to do something like this. And and all that came through um, Overflow Four One Nine being in the community, impacting the lives of those involved in DSS as well as those with BCH. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm up here talking about all this when I'm probably the least knowledgeable about it and everything else. And, I've, and Mark's heard me say it many times, Cassandra and the Overflow team, listen, all I did Saturday was move tables, okay? That's all I did. Spoke a little bit and encouraged them, but it's just been a great ministry opportunity for our people to be involved in. 
and they're very proud of it. One of the things that's always a concern for churches when they get involved in any kind of ministry, um, like foster care or adoption or anything else, are the cost. Um, you know, ministry cost. And if we do what God would have us to do, we are a very wealthy church in so many ways, and the greatest wealth we have are those families that come in and <coughs> never lacked anything at a, for, you know, as far as finances are concerned. Wow. And and um, it's just enriched us. In fact, Sunday morning when I shared about how the um, adoption and foster celebration mm-hmm. went for, with DSS, you know, our church stood and cheered because it was just such a, a, a good thing to happen. And we're anxious to see God work through that. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Okay, Paul's there for just a minute. I'm going to come back to you in just a second. But Andrew, y'all also have a similar ministry. You call it rope holders, though. It's a little got a little different slant because it's just the, the different makeup of your church. Yeah. Talk to them about where the word, where the phrase rope holders come from, but then also what is it in at Mercy Hill? Yeah, so we use, you know, I think a lot of us know that term from missions because you kind of have that famous story, well, William Carey's going to Andrew Fuller's, his friend that's going to stay and you know, Carrie says, "Man, I'm willing to dangle on the end of that rope if you're gonna if you're gonna hold the rope. You know, I'll go down in the pit if you're gonna hold the rope." And the concept was, "I'll go to the field if you'll." And then Fuller did that. He prayed for him for 20 years and raised money and did all the stuff, and kind of had this you know somebody in his corner. And that that's kind of the idea. Um, I think as our we as we had as we mobilized a lot of families off the sidelines kind of fast we realize like man we sort of are out kicking the care coverage here of the families that are going first mm-hmm. um now i want to be real clear like man i don't view the longevity of people that are in the foster family foster system in all the ways that a lot of other people do i think somebody could easily be called to step in get licensed foster one kid for three months and step back out and never do it again and that is to be celebrated that's right that's in right. my opinion okay so like don't hear this the wrong way um, at the same time, I do think longevity is going to come from people ha- having people around you, yeah. you know, to kind of help. So that's where we're, that's kind of the concept of rope holders. We we adopted five years ago, special needs child from Raleigh, and we had rope holders without a name. Um, man, there were there were multiple. You know, sh- our daughter was in the NICU here in Raleigh, and we, you know, I got we our whole family got the flu. Nobody could go. Our our group was immediately like, nope, we're driving over there. No, this she, you know, Faith Ann's not going to have one day of her life where she's not sitting with people and got her music playing and all that. And so they did that multiple times. I mean, we had people from our church driving over there helping us. Um, we just wanted to try to co- codify that a little bit and say, hey, every single person that steps off the sideline of this ministry needs somebody in their corner. Um, and so that's where the rope holder training comes in, where yep. people are, are saying, man, we're, we're, we're a family that's here for you. Yeah. We're here to do what you need, whether that's babysit your other kids, whether that's going to be stepping in to make a meal. Um, it also gives us this other team that just kind of has those eyes on. So like we had um, this fall, we had our first um, ever, ever chosen conference for our church. It wasn't for anybody else. It's like, man, the people in our church that have stepped off the sideline, we put on a whole conference for them actually here at the convention center. And well, who runs everything at that? It's the rope holders, you know, um, you know, who's there to kind of put their care packages together for when they get home and just all the stuff. It's like, well, that's going to be all the rope holders that are saying where well, our heart is bound to this ministry. We might not be called specifically to bring a child in, yeah. but we feel very called to stand with a family right. who is stepping into the arena uh, because it's spiritual war. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, Satan hates kids. 
He wants to tear families apart. And so when you have a church that steps in that says, man, we are trying to put families back together. Mm-hmm. Like we're not taking these kids from foster because we're trying to adopt them. Mm-hmm. Our first goal is to put the family back together. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's an adoption, there's always first a major tragedy. Yeah. You know, before there's beauty, there's ashes. Okay. <clears throat> and so, you know, we want to put them together or, hey, there's an adoption situation. We're going to build families the way God builds his. Satan hates all of this. And so we just need people. We, we said, man, we need people to step in. And I think most of ours, the last count I had was that 75% of all of our foster families are matched with a rope holder specifically um, right now. We obviously want to see that go to 100. 100, Yeah, there may be some people out here just thinking, well, y'all are doing this and this. I mean, overflow 419, rope holders. I mean, where where in the world do we even start? Because y'all are already running down the track. And there may be somebody sitting here today that's, they hadn't even gotten the starting blocks yet. What, what would you tell them to be maybe something to consider as far as just one, one thing? You know, I think that, that you're absolutely right. Not everybody can do and is called to do all that these churches are doing. Um, we, we have the means to do it in, in a lot of ways as far as financially and, and, and with the resources. I think you need to just pray and ask God what he would have your church to do. It may be that if you're in the Greensboro area to, to call up Andrew and say, listen, what is a need that our church can help y'all meet? Maybe it's provide a crib that's just for your church that's brand new crib that for whenever next time someone gets a baby that, that needs a crib or whether, whatever it might be. Um, you know, just find someone that, and start where you are with what you can. You can do something. Um, just not by just uh, acting like you can't do anything is is just the wrong attitude because there is something you can do but it may be ask us individually how can we help in our community it may be even and going to, to dss and and um and saying listen you know we don't want to preach to anybody we don't want to do anything but we want to be able to help meet a need of a foster family um or an adoptive family god will honor that yeah. Yeah. how would you answer that andrew i think that i would say that this stuff is so in my opinion it is so bound up in the very heart of the gospel itself that you cannot start speaking about it without people lighting up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. This idea of cheering. I was at an SBC event last year where everything under the sun that the SBC does was debated and talked about and what's the vision for next year and all this stuff. And somebody from left field says, what about some of these states doing foster care and adoption stuff? The whole place breaks out in a roar and cheer and clap. Yeah. It's like, man, if we're a Christian, adoption and restoring families, it just speaks a universal language at the very heart of everything that we believe. That's right. With that being said, I would say, man, you know, we got to start talking about these things. Just, I would say that talking about it, the vision from the guts of the pastor and the lead and, and the lead team. But my bet is, if I said one thing, my bet would be that, and I bet you in every church in North Carolina, there's somebody that's connected to one of these ministries some kind of way, without even if it's not a church program. And so grabbing them That's and it. just starting to pour into them and fit hearing that story and just starting the ball going that way, yeah. I think would be the way Let I would Let me mention something real quick sure. about that. Um, Cassandra that I mentioned that's um, Overflow 409, she's adopted three teenage boys um, before she even started. So there was that connection. Yeah. She already had the heart that was there, um, and it was important to her. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Okay, he just segued really well right here into this next question as far as What's Hickory Grove doing to really promote the gospel through foster care and adoption in y'all's community? What are y'all up to? Kyler, let me let you jump in first. Casey, you jump in after that. 
Well, truth be told, we're not nearly as far down the road as these two guys are. Hickory Grove, like so many churches, uh, is probably in a season where the vision was caught with some leaders, like myself, like Casey, uh, even Clint, the senior pastor of our church, he adopted a couple boys 20 years ago as well. Uh, and you're now starting to see it trickle down. Where most of our energies are stewarded right now is the Lord's given us a sizable congregation and we're seeking by the Spirit's assistance to compel a great many within our church. And to answer your question directly, <clears throat> we're not doing so in a formal outreach sense. I would say it's more of an internal, we're seeking to help our members understand. You said it beautifully that we're trying to help uh, build families the way God builds families. He adopted us, and we want our congregation to the degree they can. And by word, forget if you just mentioned this, Casey, we just had a couple they're in their early 60s. They have grandchildren. Their children are adults uh, singing on the stage of our church. Just get a little foster child, an indefinite foster child, uh, a three-year-old, this week. Which they were, you can tell, that was a little bit of a shock for them. But praise God that the Spirit was moving in a couple like that. So right now, we're just trying to prayerfully lead our church to catch a vision for it. And I trust if you're here at this event, many of you are leaders or significant in some sense or another in your local church, start there before you got a tremendous ministry like these two guys got. Try to get your church to start seeing it's a need. I bet you there are a great many in your congregation that are just generally aware that, you know, foster kids are out there and somebody's got to do it. Mm -hmm. But you know, ours is a day where we have so much information overload until somebody kind of grabs you by the collar and says, Mm -hmm. no, you need to actually see what the real need is and you need to see the the call of Christ in your life to one way or another support this uh, ministry. We're watching that happen kind of like a wildfire at Hickory mm-hmm. Grove right now. Didn't you just say we have how many couples just went through the class just this last 20 month? Individuals, 20 different individuals just this last month went through the whole licensure uh, process. So we're praying that that's going to be happening again and again and again. I, I trust there's many in your congregations that could as well. Yeah. I don't know what you're going to add to that. Like, what else have we done? That was so good. I don't know that. <laughs> I will add to it, though. <laughs> once, you start, once you start telling those stories, though, once it comes to the surface, people start seeing either folks in your congregation, members of your community or neighborhood, or, or seeing the resources that BCH has to, to promote the need. I mean, we've, we've been foster parents for close to three years now. There's not a Sunday that goes by that someone doesn't come and ask us something about our foster children. When you say, I mean, it's a constant conversation piece. And we we love talking about foster care. We're passionate about foster care. And so once you start having those conversations, telling those stories, the, the need and, and the desire catches on within your congregation. And people people want to, I mean, people are all the time asking, what, what is something you need? What How can we help? Oftentimes, foster care is not for us, but, and they want to do something, sometimes they end up being the ones that are foster parents in the end. But there's always folks wanting to meet those needs and be a part of something because at the heart of it is the gospel. Yeah, exactly. I know you and I had a conversation Mm -hmm. not too long ago and it was about how you were planning on possibly reaching out into your community to be a foster family or to provide respite care. I'm sorry. To buy, you and your wife were thinking about providing respite care to somebody who doesn't go to your church. Would you mind sharing that story a little bit? We don't know how our names got out there, but we get contacted when we don't have a placement. We've been contacted by other 
counties and such to be respite. So respite, foster care is a short or long-term placement that comes into your home. Respite is kind of glorified babysitting. Uh, foster family needs a bit of a break. Their children can come into a, foster, a respite home for a number of days or maybe weeks uh, for a licensed family. And so we're, we're, we're foster care licensed, which means when we don't have a placement, we're also respite licensed. So we've had other folks who have come to us and said, hey, we heard you're in this area. We have a family there that needs respite. Can you take them? And it's been a ministry to that family uh, to be able to share the gospel with them, another foster family. Foster care is a gospel ministry, but oftentimes that verbal proclamation is difficult. Uh, you're dealing with social workers. You're dealing with uh, guardian at litems. You're dealing with with families, and oftentimes getting to verbally proclaiming the gospel is difficult. Uh, but we've tried to make those avenues as, as evident as possible when we're able to. Yeah. So. Wow, that's good. Thanks. Okay, this is going to be a stacked question for everybody. So this will be just sort of a, y'all just jump in on this. I'm not going to aim it at anybody in particular, but y'all four just feel free to jump in. But here's the stacked question. Tell me about what God has been doing in some of these families' lives when it comes to foster care, foster to adopt, or just maybe they've just adopted. Perhaps they've done a private adoption. You know, Christian Adoption Services is also part of the Baptist Children's Home. And so I know we've worked with y'all as far as uh, getting getting our, y'all's families private adoption. So tell me what's God been doing in these families? How has he been really showing up? Well, I can tell you from my own family. <laughs> You know, my wife and I walk with the Lord. We've walked with the Lord 20 years. I've been a pastor for 15 of those. Uh, And I'm not sure I knew the depths of my selfishness or really how surface level our love was uh, for those that aren't blood until we got two little boys in our home. Um, In other words, I mean, just candidly, it's and this is fairly common, there's not the immediate bond that you'd probably have with your own child. Uh, maybe it's a little different when you get into an adoption scenario, but when you have a foster child that you know is not going to be in your home forever, and you, there are so many uh, uh, little strings attached that you got to mess around with, especially with DSS, it's just complicated. And genuinely, this last, you know, it's been about 13 months for my wife and I, these last 13 months, the Lord has, you know, not only, of course, brought us to our knees, but He has opened our eyes to see species of sin we didn't realize were there, and uh, expanded our capacity to sin. You all know, like the phrase sacrificial love, it's banted around, and you, you claim like you have it towards your spouse or your child. At the end of the day, there's a whole lot of reciprocity. You're, you're giving love to your spouse, but she takes good care of you, and you just you love your child. You don't get a whole lot back when you're uh, dealing with a difficult foster care situation. And we have found the Lord to be so faithful, so sustaining. He has sanctified us such that we look back now, 13 months removed, and we can genuinely thank God for how he's, he's changed us over the last 13 months and caused us to have a heart of compassion, a heart of sympathy, all the more. Uh, and so we trust whenever the Lord takes these boys from our home that, and when another time comes for us too, Lord willing, we'll be in a better position to receive these uh, children that the Lord entrusts to us and do so with a heart like Christ. So that's at least my own story. Wow, thanks, man. Help me. Yeah, thanks, man. Anybody else want to share? Yeah, I mean, I'll just quickly. I mean, I I think um, one of the things that I didn't really understand on the very front end of getting into this was sometimes in communities where 
family disruption is a pretty serious issue, there can end up being a real stigmatism towards foster care, which I think goes way into the pro-life discussion yeah. about why, you know, why kids end up being aborted and stuff, yeah. where um, there can be this kind of, there can be this kind of um, narrative that, you know, that people are trying to adopt out of the foster system. And that's like a strategy to get their, yeah. you know, to get kids. Yeah, right. And, you know, when I became kind of alerted to that, I, I saw it, you know, right in the face, and I was like, "Man, we've got to we've got to do a real good job of being very clear mm-hmm. that when we're talking about adoption, we're talking about building families the way God builds His. But when we're talking about foster care, we're talking about restoring families. That's right. You know, that's what we're trying. That's that's the goal. That's right. And um, now, again, a lot of times that just don't work out. And at that point, then you're talking about an adoption, and there's a tragedy, but then there's some beauty on the other side, and that's that's awesome. But um, I think some of the most beautiful stories I, I have are, are families at our church that are realizing the ministry is holistic, not just to a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the ministry that they've been called into with foster care is not just, you know, for this child in this brief time that they're with, but, but really to labor on behalf of the parents who are trying to get their life together wow. and they're trying to figure it out. You know, and that man, that's there's all kind of brokenness on that side of things, you know, and and it don't very few hallmark stories, as my brother said, you know, Um, but but when our parents step in and they do find willing parents on the other side, even if it's not going to work out, like I'm thinking of one family right now that I mean, I just see them regularly at the altar or in their seat just weeping during worship, and I know that they're not, it's not, it's not even their brokenness just over the child that's in their home. It's that child's parents yeah. that are not doing the right thing, and they're praying for them, wow. and they're trying to get you know, they're, and they're doing everything they can do. Wow. And so, to that end, like man, our some of these families in our church have stepped off. This is not a pastor thing. This is like you know, this is just people running. But you know, with the with the with the DSS you know system, trying to step in and say, hey, are you know, where are the at risk families that you see that are already like right on the edge of getting the kids taken away? Or maybe they are. They just have had them taken away, yeah, yeah. and so uh, actually, within the next couple of months, we're starting a six-week study called Families Count through our DSS system. Mm-hmm. And you know, DSS has all this stuff where you got to get it approved as something. And so these parents, they can actually get kind of some of their check marks, their check boxes, you know, marked mm-hmm. um, by going through this class. But that can't, that comes from a heart for the holistic family that's being put yeah. back together. Yeah. Wow, I could just see where that's going to be preemptive to a that's, child. That's going the idea. Into. That's the whole. That's you know, it. Yeah. The, the goal. The goal. Yeah. I mean, the, the true goal when you're talking about foster care, the goal is not to empty the system with all the kids. You know, the goal is to create an environment where you don't need it. That's right. Now I don't know if we'll ever get that on this side of heaven. I mean, who? Right. You know. Right. But I'm just saying that is the goal. It's not that's just to goal. pluck all the kids out to have it fill right back up. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, so that's what we need to be trying it's, to think about. It's to address the brokenness yeah. that put those kids in the place. Which is, lo- you know, which ultimately is lostness. That's right. I mean, ultimately, that's that's the problem. That's right. Is ultimately, it's a, it's a, you know, to Casey's point, it's ultimately it is a gospel proclamation issue. But I mean, getting there through, you know. Yeah. Wow. Well said. Thanks, brother. I want to ask you this uh, other question. <clears throat> Y'all have hit some bumps in the road as far as getting from where you are today. Look backwards. And just, just think about a bump that you hit that just, it wasn't that it was a bad thing, but it was a bump that you had to maybe navigate around just so that they kind of maybe hear from, from your perspective, well, here was something that we hit. This is a bump that we kind of had in the road as we were trying to progress and trying to help our families, trying to get, get moving, get, get going forward, that might just help you, you know, help you navigate around it. 
here, here's from our experience something that might teach you. What do you got? Um, I'll start with that. Um, thankfully, we have an organization with Baptist Children's Home. I sound like a commercial, don't know what I am, but um, but um, they've gone out and hired the right people. They've done everything they needed to do to get the people in place. We have a partner with them that can help our churches navigate things that we're really, none of us are equipped to do this stuff, you know, and at least I'm not. These guys might be, but thank goodness BCH has gone the extra mile to make sure that we can um, navigate this as smoothly as possible because foster care is a challenge is challenging enough as it is. Man, I, I'll say one thing I think is a bump for us <clears throat> that I would caution anybody else that's getting into this is a shame culture around failure with foster care can develop very quick. Yeah. Where and I don't know if you guys have ever been a, I don't know if you ever been around a missionary who had to leave their term early mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But that that and if you have you kind of know where I'm going with this is like man I have felt that around foster parents mm-hmm. at Mercy Hill who stepped out yeah. received a placement and were like man we just can't do this yeah. I'm very sensitive to that you know mm-hmm. like when I hear I heard a story just this past week of a foster placement in our church um, that has just not gone well it's just very hard and the, the, the families you know that it was it was a very quick thing. Mm-hmm. And now they're reevaluating. Do we want to even do this again? Do we not? And you know, yeah. and I really want to step into that situation and, and man, celebrate what was done. Hey, if you need if this needs to come back around later, that's fine. If you need to step into rope holding for a while, like man, let's don't don't feel like a failure. You know, don't feel like you quit. But I, that that culture can develop, in my opinion, can develop pretty fast yeah. if you're not careful. Rather than I think feel a a real sense of celebration that you stepped into the arena yeah. and that even if it was one time with one kid for two months mm-hmm. um, what a celebration that a is yeah. that's wise words I am so thankful for these brothers and NC Baptist congregations across the state that are on mission together to become licensed foster families and supporting families that do so to partner with every child or learn more about how you can become a foster care family or an adoptive family, just simply go to every-child.org. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining us today. Because of your generosity to NC Baptist, this podcast, along with other helpful resources, are made available for you. Learn more by visiting ncbaptist.org slash give.